We think of dementia and Alzheimer's as an old person's disease, and that's no longer the case. You could have somebody with small children at home and with a spouse who has dementia and also needs to work full time. The pressure on them would be enormous. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and a certified caregiving educator. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate. And this is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even have a laugh or two, because we all know that laughing is, in fact, the best medicine. Don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, I never forget the wine, my dear. When your dad came to live with us, um, at first, we didn't realize what we were getting into and hadn't thought about um, leaving our jobs. But eventually, it came to the point where I left my corporate job to stay home and take care of your dad. And we were fortunate in that you could go to work and support us while I was staying home. Not all families have that option. So that brings us to today's guest, Michelle Darwin of the Windward Foundation. And she played a significant role in caring for her father when he was diagnosed in uh, 2010 with Alzheimer's and saw firsthand the devastating effect that the disease has on both the unpaid family caregiver and their family. Um, Her experience led her to create the Windward Foundation, which funds innovative programs that support family caregivers to those with Alzheimer's disease. After spending 14 years in Plano, Texas, she now calls Aspen, Virginia home. Please welcome today's guest, the co-founder and executive director of the Windward Foundation, Michelle Darwin. Hi, Michelle. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Michelle, you and I have a um, shared interest in support for the for the working caregiver, which there's going to be more and more of those as more and more families are faced with taking care of a loved one at home. So um, would you like to start off and tell our our listeners a bit about the need for support for working caregivers and how the Windward Foundation helps with that? Absolutely. You know, um, through my own personal experience, I was working full-time when my father was diagnosed and I took on a role of caring for him. And aside from the obvious, which is, you know, the work that needs to be done uh, on a daily basis, the emotional toll that it takes while you're trying to juggle everything is just so overwhelming. And we know that today, and the number is rising, that one in four people are directly affected by Alzheimer's and dementia. So if you just look at, you know, look at a large corporation of 25,000 people, four to five thousand of their employees are dealing with this at home. So um, what that means is that you have businesses have uh, need, you know, they have employees that are having to modify their work schedules or having to take leaves of absence. They might have to change positions because travel might be limited. And they, you know, if there's been a lot of surveys and a lot of the people that answer honestly on the surveys, you're looking at, you know, a large group of people that will tell you flat out that their work has suffered because of the stress, the emotional, the financial stress. So it's a huge problem. And what we're trying to do at Windward Foundation 
is to speak with Fortune 1000 companies. Um, we, we're kind of focusing on the larger companies right now, but have the discussions about the the financial impact that it has on their business. Because we hope that if they understand the financial impact on the business, they might be more open to um, discussions about allowing um, someone like ourselves to come in and do brown bag lunches, you know, lunch and learn, um, help educate their employees on what resources might be available to them, give employees an opportunity to find other people within the company that are dealing with the same thing and maybe they can support each other. There's just a large, you know, a myriad of things that, you know, we're hoping to talk to them about. Even having a caregiver support group on site, you know, people can um, gather who are, you know, in the caregiving world themselves and share tips. Um, I think that would be a great idea. One of the things that happened in our situation, originally, uh, my supervisor was going to allow me to work part-time from home. And I thought that was a great idea. But I found that when I was at home, I was worried about work. And when I was at work, I was worried about home. And it just wasn't, I wasn't doing a good job in either in either situation. Um, so that's when we made the hard decision that that I would stay home. But again, like I said, not everybody has that option. So people who are at work and they're worried about the person at home that needs care will definitely impact on their ability to do their job. So finding support within the workplace for these people, I think, is absolutely critical. I couldn't agree more. I, I think it's it's critical and it's it's also so important, I believe, that we, you know, open those lines of communication because I know that I found, and I, I don't know if you share the same experience, but I found it very difficult to talk to my coworkers and even my, even my, you know, boss um, when I was going through some of the hardest times with my dad, because I felt like if I shared that struggle, then I automatically it would be assumed that I had too much on my plate. Exactly. And I felt like they were going to, you know, maybe some of my responsibilities would get taken away from me. And, um, you know, I felt like I was in this lose-lose situation. I, I couldn't be everything I needed to be to my dad while I was everything I needed to be to my boss. And I just kind of suffered in silence. And I think there's millions of others that are kind of experiencing that today. So when you, when you, go to one of these Fortune 1000 or Fortune 100 companies? Do you go to the HR department? Um, who do you approach about finding resources for the working caregiver? We, in, in our organization, we, um, we speak with, we start at HR because we believe that if we can get HR on board with what we're trying to do, then, um, you know, they can introduce us to the decision makers that that may be more likely to understand um, what is already available to their employees. So, for instance, you know, we are working with a large bank and they have programs and services available. But what we have found as we get to know the employees is that they don't always know what's available to them. So they're very clear on what their medical benefits are. But if there's other benefits available to them, they they don't really know that. And so there's a, another education opportunity there for the company to 
you know, educate their employees on what other resources they may have available. You know, it's interesting that you should say that because I retired after 31 years of working for the federal government. And it wasn't until probably the last 18 months of my career that they started putting out information to the workforce about the employee assistance programs. And it was not only for the individual themselves, but also members of their family and what was available. And it was amazing that there was this five-page document of different assistance programs that were available that nobody knew about. And if, if you're finding that they already have those things out there, then that's good because it wasn't out there for 30 of my 31 years. Well, that could be one of the subjects of one of that lunch and learn that you were talking about. And that's a resource that wouldn't cost the employer a money if people bring in a, a brown bag lunch and um, have somebody come in and explain these resources to them. I think th- that would be a great resource and, and helpful mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Yes. I, I, I agree. I think, you know, the Family Leave Act, there's a, a lot of um, people that, you know, really could use a, an education around that. And I think that's another great opportunity for um, a brown bag or a lunch and learn. I think um, also, you know, the areas for the aging and some of the community um, uh, community services that are available to people in communities across the country, people don't know where to go and they don't even know who to ask. So you get this diagnosis and you you go into panic mode. And so if you're the caregiver, you're working. And as we know, many more young people are being diagnosed with Alzheimer's and dementia these days. So you've got caregivers that are also caring for their own children at home who are also taking on the role of caring for a a parent or perhaps a spouse with Alzheimer's disease. You you go into a panic mode and you kind of shut down, you know? So I think some basic information, and again, this is free of charge, you know, this is uh, not something that should cost a company anything, you know, but to, to um, provide information about areas on the aging in the communities where these um, where the employees are, and let families know that you know a good place to start is with your area for the aging, perhaps, or um, with you know financial. You know, one of the very first questions people ask is, "Oh my gosh, how am I going to pay for this?" You know, well, what is already available? You know, what you know, they could offer financial services to their employees that would help them plan and help them plan before it was too late, you know, and they are often already doing that. Um, You brought up a a good point about younger people with um, dementia growing. You know, we think of dementia and Alzheimer's as an old person's disease, and that's rapidly becoming no longer the case. So you could have somebody with small children at home and with a spouse who has dementia and also needs to work full time, and the pressure on them would would be enormous. Um, I'm thinking, you know, the circle of life. For many years, we had large corporations that had daycare centers so uh, working people could bring their children. And I think the time has come for adult daycare centers in some of these larger corporations. 
I, um, yeah, we do too. I think that that is probably, um, a, that that's a little bit out of the realm of the work that we do at our foundation. Um, but, you know, I certainly stand behind that um, completely. You know, I think the level of care is so different for adult day, especially when you're dealing with people with dementia versus, you know, a standard um, corporate daycare. So I think a lot of executive CEOs are a little nervous about going down that track. But what we're finding is that more and more CEOs that we're speaking with are in the demographic where they're of the age that they are now dealing with Alzheimer's and dementia of their own parents. And once you live it, then you see things a little bit differently. Yes, you do. The younger, the younger generation and the younger executives, you know, we all think that's never going to happen to us. But we're talking to more and more um, executives and CEOs that are in the throes of this themselves. So they're much more open to the conversation and much more interested in what we're trying to do. And that's good news. And I think that's why we really kind of focus on the financial bottom line, you know, and we have a lot of numbers around when we meet with executives and HR departments and CEOs, you know, like running the numbers and just like, you know, for instance, you know, um, uh, an executive like, you know, my brother who um, is the CEO and founder of Windward Consulting Group and several other companies, you know, he might invest $40,000 in recruiting a top level executive, right? And, you know, just imagine you make that investment so you can find the best of the best and then have them not be able to travel and, you know, or have that hire not work out because of a personal situation because they're caring for um, a loved one with Alzheimer's disease. You know, when we talk about it that way, they, we get their attention, <laughs> you uh, well, know, we, yeah. we, we get their attention because it's, it's all about the bottom line. Exactly. And, you know, the lost productivity, um, the leave of absence, you know, the short-term disability, all of the things that come into play are what happens um, when, when people are dealing with a health crisis like Alzheimer's disease. And it's happening. It's happening day in and day out in every organization. When we began, when we started the Windward Foundation, um, and we were polling our company, at the time I was working for Windward Consulting Group, and at the time we polled our company, and it was only 85 employees, and at the time, 17 people came forward and said they were dealing with um, a loved one with Alzheimer's in their life right at that time. So those are the people that honest that came to us. I'm sure there's even more that, you know, Maybe they're in a little bit of denial. They don't think it's going to happen to them or, you know, there's still that thought process that people that get older forget things. And so it's really not my parents doesn't have Alzheimer's. They're just a little forgetful because they're old. And people don't understand that Alzheimer's is so much more than than just a memory problem. And as, as it progresses, it, people need more and more care. So the, is there interest in um maybe job sharing or um, people working from home, but, you know, having a job working from home while caring for somebody with Alzheimer's also presents a number of challenges because where do you put your focus? So I think, you know, we're not necessarily um, advising, um, you know, people that the, com 
that we're speaking with, we're not really giving them options on what we believe they should do to take care of their workforce, you know, like offering Mm -hmm. um, job sharing. That's really not a a conversation that we're having. Um, I know personally, I would, I feel like I was probably very much like you. I worked from home. I worked remote when my dad, when I started caring for my dad and um, I often tell people, I don't know how I would have been able to keep my job had I not been remote because um, I can't even count the number of times I would get a phone call. Like I'm in the middle of a meeting, you know, I'm on a, um, you know, Skype meeting video conference and I get a phone call from my dad or my mom or my memory, the memory care when we had to move my dad. And, you know, you, you have to figured out, you know, (laughs) and, you know, so I did a lot of work at three in the morning, you know, five in the morning. Um, I was trying to get my job done because I was anticipating that my normal nine to five day was going to get hijacked because it just happened so often. So if you're working in an office and you have to leave all the time, you know, um, that's not going to work out well. No, not at all. And so it's, you know, it's just, it's so, so challenging. And the younger onset dementia, which is growing um, rapidly, I believe more rapidly than the numbers are even showing. You know, Bobby, I live in Ashburn and I have Ashburn, Virginia, and I have four people that are within about a four mile radius of me that are dealing with Alzheimer's under 55. Absolutely. And people don't understand it's still thought of, oh, okay, people are living longer and that's why this is happening. But um, it's just not it's just not true anymore. And one of my outreaches is to talk to people in the age group of those working working age adults to teach them now to prepare to care, not only for their parents, but for their brothers and sisters, for their husband or their wife. Um, because we don't know what's causing this, but we know it's growing rapidly, and uh, it's it's not going to get better in, in anytime soon. It's not. It's not. And we have another, a whole other population of the post nine eleven um, military, where the numbers of Alzheimer's diagnoses are, you know, way higher than you know the normal population um, from traumatic brain injuries and right. you know they're you know, those numbers are growing rapidly. And so, you know, that's for probably another conversation, but you think about the, you think about the, um, you know, those numbers growing and concussion numbers growing that are, what's the impact of that going to have on, on younger diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease? I mean, just as a, as a person who has Alzheimer's so deep in my family, you know, those are the things that, you know, I think about all the time. Does the Windward Foundation do any work with the military at all or military organizations or the VA? At this point, we do not. And um, the reason for that is that the VA and the military does have um, programs in place for family caregivers and for people with dementia. Our focus is all around the family caregiver, the unpaid caregivers. And there are probably more resources available to military families than there are to the general population. I know we were the beneficiaries of the VA and the programs that they have with my, uh, that we took advantage of with my dad from respite care to um, just provide, providing him with 
different tools to get around, i.e. walkers and um, hospital beds and things of that sort. So I certainly understand what you're saying. I was just curious if you had um, done any work with the VA. We have not. You know, there's a the, there's a, a good organization called Veterans Against Alzheimer's, um, and they are very heavily involved in working with um, military um, people with dementia and their caregivers. And um, we speak to them quite often, but, you know, we are not directly doing any work in that area. That's the first I've heard of them. Yeah, me too. Is that right? Yes. So they fall under the umbrella of Us Against Alzheimer's. Um, and it's called Veterans Against Alzheimer's, and they're doing some really good things. Well, thanks for that, for that Lee. Absolutely. Now, when we were talking the other day, Michelle, I mentioned that I had spoken at the Loudoun Senior Interest Network about support for caregivers, and we both had seen a report that um, came out from the Alzheimer's organization that rated states on support for, care, for family caregivers, and Virginia came in 48th out of 50. Um, and a large part of that was the lack of support for working caregivers. Um, do you work with government agencies? And maybe we can talk up to, about some of the resources or the way to um, reach them and let them know how important the situation is and how we can make it better. So we don't work directly. Um, you know, our our entire focus is really um, working directly with the family caregiver. Okay. So we um, we have pulled together a tremendous amount of resources so we can provide a family resources and let them know what might be available um, from, you know, local government or federal government. You know, we can provide them with um, tools and with a direction to go and, and kind of lead them to, to information. But we, you know, all of our focus right now is really on the, um, the family caregivers. So the work that we're doing um, with businesses is really to touch the, the caregiver, that, that, um, that family caregiver. So um, how many people can you accommodate? I mean, and was you have the support for the family caregiver um, with respite being so important to caregivers. Do you have a program for that? Are there materials that people can get that um, you provide that help them with information? The respite that we provide is really more, um, We again, we don't provide um, financial uh, money to caregivers to pay for respite, um, but we offer some respite, like day respite, um, programs. We offer some music programs and art programs that we do. We, we normally do them with um, memory cafes. Mm -hmm. um, we will certainly help lead them towards um, availability for overnight respite, which I am going to tell you in the state of Virginia is drastically different than in the state of Texas. When I lived in Texas, there was so much more available for me as a family caregiver to um, allow my mom and I to, you know, have my dad in a safe environment for one, two or three days so that, you know, my mom could get away, you know, that it was so, there was so much more available than there is in the state of Virginia. I was quite shocked by that. Um, so to answer your question, you know, the, the respite that we provide is, is really more um, um, kind of, 
stress relief. Um, well, that's critical not too. Overnight, <laughs> overnight risk, which is also very critical. Absolutely. Right? So you know we're uh, we're not a large organization. You know we're growing and making more of an impact every every month. And you know we look forward to the what we're going to be able to do in the future. And right now we just focus on what we focus on. And um, I'm super proud of what we've been able to do so far. Well, I'm sure that the people that you touch now and those in the future will absolutely appreciate it because any resources that we can offer to a caregiver, uh, we need to do that, especially as, as this situation becomes critical for more and more people. You know, I also think one thing I think is so important is that there's a lot of organizations that are out there and some are very large and some are smaller than, you know, others. And I think we just owe it all to ourselves to work together. Um, I find it very discouraging sometimes that, um, you know, a family might call a local agency or a national organization and, you know, they're not necessarily always given everything that they should be given with regards to resources because maybe it's not sponsored by that particular <laughs> person, you know, so we, we really try to, to make sure that people understand everything that's available to them, not just the the programs and services that we provide. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. And it begs a follow on question of, are you partnered with any of these other organizations, uh, you know, strength in numbers? We, um, we have partnered with the Alzheimer's Association, the National Capital Area um, for a couple of years, we fund a program there for care consultation. So um, the Windward Foundation has provided about $100,000 to the National Capital Area Chapter of the Alzheimer's Association to pay for care consultation. So when a family calls the 1-800 number and they're looking for um, help, usually right after a diagnosis, the Alzheimer's Association and a social worker would um, meet with an individual or a family or a group of people, you know, there was no limit on how many could meet and kind of help them develop a roadmap. We did that for two years, um, but in starting in, in late 2019, you know, all we're, we have, we have um, decided that we will provide our own programming now. You know, in the beginning, we were looking to them, um, and now we, we provide our own programming. So you have people within the foundation that do um, consulting? We have, we have resources that we work with, we team with, that can help families. We don't necessarily do the care consultations. I don't know if I, maybe I wasn't clear on that. You know, we would still send someone to the Alzheimer's Association. We would refer them to the Alzheimer's Association. But we work with several organizations that, you know, offer a similar service that, you know, we will not just, I guess my point is we will not just limit our referrals to one organization. So kind of act we as will, a traffic cop, huh? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. Um, and there are more and more, um, we just, you know, I'm very involved because I live in Loudoun County. So I'm very involved in Loudoun County area activities for the aging. And we just learned yesterday of a of a um, company that's now going to be offering um, cognitive assessments a couple of times a month and I'm anxious to talk to them more because, you know, we get a lot of calls from families and they're just desperate to get into a neurologist and they're waiting a very long time or perhaps their general practitioner is not necessarily 
thinking that a cognitive assessment is important. Um, so, you know, I'm excited to be able to, you know, show some families, at least in Loudoun County, you know, that they have some options. Well, I hope you'll share that information with us when it gets up and running, because um, there are too many doctors out there still who don't really quite understand um, how dementia and Alzheimer's work and often give bad advice and, and not, not because they're, they're trying to give bad advice. They just don't understand. And some of these cognitive tests are so basic, they really don't tell us anything. So, and, and they don't, they really don't understand the effect on the caregivers. Oh, that's absolutely true. I think that that's very true. You know, one of the things that, you know, I strive so hard for is the fact that, you know, family caregivers need to be part of the conversation from the minute you go to the doctor. So family caregivers should not be brought in only, you know, into the conversation only when it gets a little tough. And the patient, their, you know, the physician's patient um, might look like they need a little bit more attention. I mean, they should be brought in at the very beginning, you know, and, and the, the, if the, a family comes in and there isn't a family caregiver with them, you know, there should be questions that are asked and like, who do we need to involve in the conversation? You know, who do we need to bring into, you know, your team now that we're talking about some kind of cognitive impairment. There's actually a program in the, in the UK that I learned about at the National Caregiver Convention uh, where the caregiver is seen almost in the same role as a parent um, when you're taking your child to the pediatrician. The, the person with dementia is the patient, but the person responsible for making decisions and should be you know, involved in the consultation is the caregiver. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about here. We need to change that mindset. We need to change that mindset and we need to change the dialogue. You know, I speak a lot about um, palliative care issues too, because I am a firm believer that, you know, families need to be talking about palliative care from the very beginning you know, there's this misconception to family caregivers and families in general that palliative care is something that we talk about at end of life. And, you know, in final days, we need to, we need to start thinking about palliative care. You know, palliative care should be a conversation you have right now. That's about keeping your loved one comfortable during their life, you know, not during their end of life. Right. So, you know, those conversations need to be had, you know, very, very early on. And that can only happen if the physicians and the, you know, people that are making the diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease bring families into the conversation very early. Well, Michelle, you've been such a wealth of information. It's been an absolute joy to have you on the show with us. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I just, um, I'm thrilled that we're all in this together, right? <laughs> Strength in numbers. Together, we're going to figure this out. Strength in numbers. That's right. And you'll be hearing from us. Uh, you'll definitely be hearing from, from me some more because with my caregiver support group, I think I'm going to uh, be talking about the Windward Foundation. Again, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Support for working caregivers is so important. It will only become more so as more and more people are diagnosed. Wow, that's pretty much an understatement right there. Um, but it was interesting talking to Michelle 
Um, a couple of things that struck me is what they're doing when they go out to and, and talk to the executives, that they're talking about the bottom line. And of course, we know that the CEOs are, have their position for the bottom line. And if their bottom line isn't uh, something that's admirable to the shareholders, they're out. So that's, uh, you know, she's definitely got a handle on what's important to the executives. Another thing is that she said, um, and her and I had to talk about the employee assistance programs. And a lot of people don't know what they are. So it's important that a caregiver reach out to the HR and ask about the employee assistance programs. And if there isn't something there for the dementia care, that if enough people start asking if it's available, that may kind of be a catalyst for them to go out and get something. And another thing that was a little disappointing was that the agencies, instead of working together, they're not, and they should be. And that was a little bit disappointing that, that these agencies absolutely need to start working together. And something you and I both, she brought to light to us was the Veterans Against Alzheimer's. I had no idea that that organization was out there, so we'll probably have to look at that. Oh, a I'll more. definitely be looking into that. Well, you can find more information about Michelle and the Windward Foundation on our website, rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please subscribe to the show, go to iTunes and post a review. Reviews are very important. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Let us know how we can help you. Or if you have a question you'd like for us to address, or if you'd just like to say hi. Now, to find out more about us or where Bobby will be speaking next, head on over to rogerthat.show. That's roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that.show. Missing Link is a proud partner of Hearing Charities of America, a nonprofit organization that supports those who are deaf or hard of hearing. You can find out more about HCA on our website or go to hearingcharities.org. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content.